Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the enterprise editor at the Times. Today's topic, looking for the next great idea. Like a lot of journalists, we work in spurts, and sometimes we'll finish up a run of stories and then think to ourselves, okay, what now? What we do then is think about what's in the news and then brainstorm possibilities. So today, we're going to do that with you all listening in. Lane is eager to jump into the subject of reopening schools because it's personal, right? You're thinking about this a lot right now. Yeah, I come from a long line of educators. My grandmother was an English teacher. My mother was an English teacher. My husband is a band and English teacher. One of my best friends was an English teacher. And my son, who just graduated from Northwestern last month, just took a job as a full-time dance teacher in the middle of coronavirus um, at a private school. So a lot of the conversations around my house have been about whether they're going to reopen school, how they're going to reopen school, what that means. I mean, that we've I've seen so much as a news consumer about what the parents want and what the students want. But the teacher perspective just now seems to be sort of seeping into mainstream media about teachers in this situation are in the worst case scenario. I mean, my husband has also my son, they're coming up, having to come up with three different contingency plans. You know, do we go back full time? Do we not go back at all? Or do we do this like sort of partial learning? And then my friend who's teaching down in um, Manatee County, she's got this fourth thing where some of the kids want to come back on ABAB days and some of the kids aren't going to come back at all. So she has to do a lecture capture for the kids who want to watch from home, but then she's got to lead a separate discussion session for the AP English kids. And it just seems impossible. I mean, being a teacher already is such a monumental task. You're, you're being a social worker, you're being a cop, you're being a parent and a teacher. And now it's like, add this other layer, even teaching math versus teaching drama versus teaching dance in a mask where you can't put your tights on and you can't fill up your water bottle. You know, I just feel like there's so many factors that the school board can't consider, the governor's certainly not considering, but these teachers are just struggling, struggling with, and it's eaten the whole summer. You know, it hasn't been a minute this summer that they haven't been on professional development calls and Zoom calls and how do we get Google certified educator calls and all this extra, extra stuff that you're supposed to have this time off and it's been nothing but stress. And it's not like no, they don't want to go back to work. You know, all the teachers I've talked to are anxious to go back to work. It's just What's that going to look like and what's the best thing for the kids and how do we teach music, you know, or PE versus on Zoom, you know? So we uh, here in Florida, as Lane mentioned, there's a lot of conversation going on. I'm sure there is around the rest of the world, but we we are uh, spiking. (laughs) The numbers are going up. It's a really strange time. Most of the school divisions are pushing back opening day. Many are thinking of opening up at least some of the week, but there's also, like Lane said, the online only option and some of the I think in South Florida, they're going to be online only through the end of the year. There's all kinds of stories here, obviously, all kinds of stories. And 
I know the education team at our paper is working on back to school, which is weird too, right? A back to school issue, which is like, what do we even do here? Like there's so many different options of what's happening and the discussions are still going on. So we often talk about stakeholders and I know we've talked about that before in other podcasts, but so literally a list of stakeholders here, right? Which would involve teachers, students, parents, principals, school board members. Right. But then you also have all the support staff, the bus drivers, the cafeteria. Can you imagine being a cafeteria worker in COVID? Like what? Like, And I think all the special ed teachers. I have a friend whose mom is a special ed elementary school teacher, and she can't teach a class of special ed kids all at once. You know, her last two weeks of school was one-on-one conversations with six-year-olds who could barely sit still in a classroom. You know, so special ed, special needs, um, arts. Yeah. And within all those categories, too, there's different dimensions. So even talking about teachers, there's a difference between a really experienced teacher and maybe a teacher who's coming at it. This is their imagine this is the first year. I can't even imagine what that would be like if you were a a new teacher. Well, that's what I was thinking with Dan and Tucker, you know, because my husband's been doing this for 30 years and my son is just starting his very first job. And so their conversations have been really interesting. And I even thought about, like, could you do it first person? You know, could you just do this dialogue between father and son about like, here's here's what to expect son in terms of being a teacher. Well, here's to what expect dad. Here's how you zoom. You know, like, <laughs> they're coming at it from such different directions and they're both in the arts. So it's not like you can put up a, a calculus problem and walk somebody through it. It's like logistics of can you play a saxophone and get your spit on the reed you know, <laughs> in a classroom and, and Tucker's kids aren't going to be able to put on their ballet shoes because they don't know changing clothes. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I thought one of my thoughts was very selfishly like a, a first person or just a dialogue between father and son. But it's such a universal thing. It could be anybody, you know, you could throw a rock and anybody would be affected by this almost. You know, we talked a little bit about this uh, at, a, at a team meeting recently and we were talking about, I mean, the arts is an interesting, like, how are you a band teacher right now? How do you do this on, I guess you do it on Zoom. You can do it on Zoom, but it's a little awkward. And there's so much in arts education that's about being together and, and riffing off each other. There's so much in education just about, you know, if you're a kindergarten teacher, how much of your role is about that connection and the and the hugs the kids need and all of that? I mean, so that's where we start. We talk about all these sort of, and then which are the most intriguing sort of storylines, right? If you're talking about teachers, students, parents, principals, school board members, support workers, special ed teachers, art teachers, and again, the, the young teacher versus maybe an older teacher. I mean, like even we've heard some teachers who are like, can they afford not to teach? And if they could, do they make this decision not to teach anymore? Is it time to retire? Because all of this stuff is swirling. I know there's a lot of kids, my husband's at a private school, whose parents just aren't sending them back. And they've lost a lot of teachers there through, not attrition, but through firing, because they just don't have the student numbers coming back. If you could go on Florida virtual school for free, why would you pay thousands of dollars to send your kid to a virtual school through a private academy, right? So that's another piece of this, the financial aspects of it. For sure. And the economics of parents who can't afford to have their kids stay home and parents who can't afford to have their kids stay home, right? Because they have to work. Exactly. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So another thing that we think about when we're sort of thinking about ideas is, you know, access. And schools are sort of tricky. I guess you probably had more luck with private schools in some ways than public schools. Yeah, a a lot of times because they can make up their own rules. They don't have to go through nine layers of permission. And then even with families or, you know, or individual teachers, are they willing to share their story? Are they willing to tell us what it's been like? Or if they're having a debate about whether to go back and forth, you know, whether they should go to teach this fall, will they share that with us? A lot of them are afraid. You know, they're afraid to speak out that they're going to get labeled or chastised or something or made someone will make them feel like they're being lazy because they don't want to go back you know I've had probably a half dozen teachers in the last week say I really want to talk about this but you can't use my name you know (laughs) so are you you're most drawn in by the teachers do you think I right now I, I feel like that's the perspective that we haven't really drilled down on and initially I was thinking it would be good to wait to and do something like back to school like the first day back but now I'm thinking more and more, it's starting now. It's like right now is when they're having these conversations about what to do and how to do it and whether we're going to do it. And I think the one of the biggest frustrations I've seen is we don't know. If someone would just make a damn decision, it would help to know what path to forge forward on. But they're trying so hard. I'm not just talking Florida here because I've seen this from my friends in other states too. They're all trying so hard to appease so many different people. Well, do you want your kids to go out to school full time? We can do that. Well, do you want your kids to stay home full time? We can do that. You know, and it's like trying to appease everybody is really making it impossible for the people who have to execute it, who are the teachers, you know. But I could also see a story where you do one classroom. If you've got one teacher who's really bought in and you find within that classroom a student whose parent would also buy in and and a principal who would buy in. And you could tell the story around Miss Carrillo's third grade class and and have it really super tightly focused and get different perspectives in that classroom. But you could just as easily do a broad sweep. You know, here's what's happening in the high schools. Here's what's happening in the, the private schools. Here's what's happening in the magnet schools. You know, you could do that too. So it's an endless possibility. And I don't know what, you know, my colleagues are doing on that, but... I feel like the hardest part is going to be getting a teacher who's willing and comfortable enough to let you in to their thought process. And maybe that is an indication that we need a principal to buy in. You know, maybe the principal buy in is the first because then you're not going to have to say, well, I'd love to do this, but my principal won't let me. Well, and I'm I'm just listening to you talk and I'm thinking about another thing that we think about a lot is tension. Where's the tension in a story, right? So I'm thinking about that those couple of weeks when the teachers are back and the students aren't yet and you're in your classroom and you're trying to get ready and you're having some meetings with other teachers, but you're anticipating the start of the school year. And I assume that for some teachers, you know, it could be a a fun time. It's, you know, you're transitioning from summer to getting back into the routine and looking forward to seeing your students. But right now, maybe it's not a fun time. Maybe it's not, you know, you're like, um, you're not even sure if you're going to see half your students. So I wonder if there's a story in you know, spending a day with a teacher just alone in their classroom as they're getting ready and thinking through all of this and incorporating all the all the sort of like this moving target that seems to be going on with the schools right now. Yeah, and, and legit moving target in the classroom too. M- Melissa went back to her classroom and said they took out two thirds of her desks, you know, spread everything out. All of the artwork on the walls and everything was taken down because who knows, 
you know, so even like logistically setting up your space. But she was talking about how um, one of her favorite times of year is coming back to school and having those two weeks of professional development with your teacher friends. You know, they'd go to a conference where they could go out to dinner and have a drink afterward. They would sit in on these meetings and have breakout sessions and talk about questions and concerns. And now it's all on Zoom. She's like, this is so unsatisfying. You know, I'm just, I'm not with my colleagues and everybody is worried about speaking out loud, but then they go into these breakout rooms and they're speaking freely, but then they're like, oh, is someone listening? You know, so even the process of going back to school is so So for us, an enterprise team, we we're always tripping over other beat reporters. I mean, we're trying not to trip over them, I should say, but you know, if we have an idea, we always try to vet with that. So, I mean, I know the ed team, for instance, is going to be spending a lot of time this fall looking at what the pandemic has done to education. All around here in our region, we went to online only through the spring and the summer. And there's a lot of questions about whether kids fell behind, whether everybody got access to a good education. So I know that the education team here is going to be looking at some of those. They're actually going to do some data analysis. They're going to be looking at some of that. And I know they're going to be kind of trying to document and illustrate the beginning days of school and everything. But probably there's a lot of room for us to pop in and help out and, and do some of these stories. So how do you measure gains and losses after three or four months of this? Well, when it's test time, you know, there'll be fall tests that they'll have to take. And um, so we'll be able to kind of compare how the kids were doing a year ago to how they're doing now. Everyone got laptops around here. All the kids who didn't have laptops, they got handed out laptops. And hopefully there's some ways of accountability we could get at to see just how much time they spent, what what, what was done. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I, I heard a lot of stories. I'm sure you did too, kids who were like, okay, they got up, signed in, went back to bed. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it's a challenge, right? I mean, the online stuff's a challenge. Well, it, Melissa was saying some of her kids didn't come to pick up their laptops because they didn't have transportation or they couldn't get there. So the teachers went and dropped off the laptops for these kids, high school kids. And then they realized half of them don't have Internet access. Right. And the libraries are closed. Right. So you can't even go to the library. So she had kids like squatting outside McDonald's trying to do their homework, you know, and. We have heard the stories about the slacker kids that are going back to bed and and at the private school where my husband works, there were those kids for sure. But I also think there's stories of kids who are like really trying to go out of their way to like squat at McDonald's at midnight to get an internet access, you know, to try to do this. So both ends of that. See, that would be interesting to find too then, Lane, you know, kids who are, um, and I don't know how we tap into some of that, but again, so if you're looking at the stakeholders and you think, okay, what about students? And if we were wanted to do some stories on students, who are the most interesting students? Well, it may not be the kids whose parents can let them stay at home and maybe they have a tutor or maybe they're they're doing virtual school. And we've all done those virtual school stories. They're quite honestly not that interesting, right? But um, but what about the kid, like you say, who's who's really having to work hard to try to still get an education. What does that look like? I know one thing that we've taken to doing a lot lately, and I assume other newsrooms have this, you know, we will drop in suggestions and questions and thoughts into our Facebook channels, you know, or we have Facebook groups and we'll say, hey, we're looking for someone who's doing X, Y, or Z. Do you know of anybody? Or, I mean, this, for instance, could be like, do you know of any students who are going to Great Links to get an education? You know, what are, what are they trying to do? Because you might have a great idea, but you need to find the character. You need to find the person who can, and sometimes it's a great idea that's in our head, but we don't know for sure that it's happening. Like, 
Now I have this kid at McDonald's in my head, but I don't know if there's a kid at McDonald's at midnight trying to do his homework. Or if he'd let you follow him if he was. (laughs) Or if he let you follow him. And that's, yeah, we haven't talked a little much about that here, but obviously a big part of the next great idea is can you find not only a really good angle with some tension to it and a good character, but somebody who's going to let you in. So a lot of the times the difference between whether Lane goes toward one person or the other is just the vibe she gets and the feeling she gets about how open they're going to be and what kind of a storyteller they are. I mean, are they in their descriptions to you and in the things that they say to you? I mean, how do you feel like you can pick up a lot of what, what's going on? And yeah, and what do they have at stake? Are they a teacher who also has a kid at home they're trying to educate? You know what I mean? Like, do they have a special needs kid of their own that they're having to get through this so I, I think what else is happening in the background too, not just that. Melissa says some of her kids have had to take on extra jobs at like fast food restaurants and stuff because their parents got laid off in coronavirus. So all of a sudden they're having right. to work another 20 hours a week while they're trying to juggle school because their financial situation with their family is screwed up. And that's a piece of this that doesn't have anything to do with education, but has everything to do with education. Right. Yeah, we haven't really done that much at all either, that sort of. The economic thing is every everybody feels, I think that's one of the, maybe that's one of the tension points we should talk about is like, it all feels like we're, everything's been interconnected. And now as we get back into schools, well, here in Florida, some of the businesses reopened and then some of them drew back. <laughs> but as we get into schools, then that sort of gets a lot of things moving again. And then do people start working again? Or And, and like you said, if they're kids that are trying to balance school and work, because they're the breadwinner now. I mean, that's a hell of a, I mean, that would be a great story, right? That's a hell of a lot of tension for a 16, 17 year old. Absolutely. So what, um, okay. So we, to me, you're, you're chomping at the bit to do a teacher story. You want to do like a teacher story. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, I've also was thinking about alts. Like, is it something we should do from a first person? Is it something we should do where we give a couple teachers like a video blog or a diary and have them write their own words and their own thoughts? Is it something where we just, um, observe a zoom meeting of a here's all the kids going back to barnsley elementary school let's talk let's just watch the teacher zoom meeting and would somebody let us do that you know where you're hearing all these different perspectives and and contingencies i think it's right now is the time that hasn't been figured out yet which is where probably a lot of the tension is going to come in the next couple weeks you know because even as they bumped school back the school starting now is when they're trying to figure all this crap out even to this point of like yesterday they were having a conversation at tucker school about can we turn the water fountains on like how dangerous is it to turn the water fountains on mm-hmm. but if kids are going to pe and they're going to dance and they're doing wrestling practice what do you do if they can't fill their water bottle? You know, so even little tiny stuff like that is is becoming a big discussion um, now, you know, in a lot of these back to school teacher meetings. What did they decide to do? They got to turn it on. No water bottle. No? Yeah. They're going to ask the uh, the parents to donate cases of, of water, but they're not going to let the kids, they don't want to risk letting the kids put their own water bottles under the faucet. So they're turning all the water faucets off. I will say one of the things about when we're talking about story ideas and trying to find story ideas that I think is really valuable is exactly what Lane has been talking about, which is you will get inspiration from friends and family that you talk about, even if we don't end up like, yeah, maybe we might end up occasionally focusing on one of those people and, you know, acknowledging the connection. But a lot of times it's your way into the idea because somebody's telling you, you you know, you're picking up a lot of this back and forth. And that gives you the brainstorm of like, oh, okay, well, what we'd find somebody doing this. 
yeah, here's what people are talking about. Right. I don't think you can discount that when, when everybody in your world is having a conversation about something. To me, there's always some kind of story there to be told, right? It's just figuring out whose perspective and, and who will let you, you know, I think, I think with this, um, a lot of people want to talk, but a lot of people are afraid to be on the record. I had a bunch of teachers this weekend email me, um, my kids' teachers who said, we're a bunch of retired teachers who want to weigh in on this. And I'm like, great, but then they're like, and we can talk. And I'm like, that's great, but it's not affecting you anymore. You know, and they're like, <laughs> right. we have this whole perspective we want to share. We're able to share. We're no longer there. We feel bad for our colleagues, but uh, it's not the same thing as someone who's struggling in the moment of right. what to do, you know, right. or how to do it. Obviously, when we're brainstorming, we're thinking about often thinking about a character, what, you know, one person who will let us go deeper because, you know, even if a lot of people are having the same experience, it's so much more effective than just dropping in sound bites from different people. So we're looking for that. I think on a subject like this, like going back to school and education, you know, I know I'm thinking what's the most important story we could do off of it, but I'm also thinking what's the most memorable story we could do. And, and when you think about it that way, it helps drive some of your choices because some of the people that we've talked, like principals to me are not that interesting, quite honestly, because they're sort of bureaucrats in a way. But if there were a principal who was just such an intriguing character because they have this amazing personality, then maybe that helps it rise, you know? Well, but, and uh, they are kind of the bridge between the parents and the teachers in a weird way. They are. You know? They are. But you're right. You'd have to find someone who is also willing to be real. And I think a lot of times the principals are so having to like toe the party line or not piss off the superintendent. Right. Or- yeah. And I feel like, I, you know, going back to where you you kind of start, I mean, the teachers are the ones who are going to have to make this work if, from an educational perspective. I mean, the parent dilemma is also really interesting to me, but the teachers are the ones who are going to have to make it work. They might be called on to like, you know, not teach in person, teach online, you know, try to juggle. Like you said, it's it's already a job that's pretty damn well taxing. And then to try to do, it just, it's asking a lot. So to me, I'm kind of drawn to the teacher perspective, you know, more than some of these other stakeholders we talked about. And I wonder, I mean, I don't really want to write about my husband and my son, but I just think that dynamic is really interesting. I mean, I kind of want to, but I kind of think the dynamic, if we could find a teacher who'd been there for 30 years and a teacher who's just starting this year and how they interact would be so useful because I listened to Tucker on his um, first kind of back to school meeting. And when they broke out to the rooms, they, they were supposed to do these like exercises. And all the older teachers wanted to do was ask Tucker, how do I change my Zoom background? How do I make my microphone stop giving me feedback and he's he's the new guy they don't know him he's 22 years old but they're like oh my god you know how to do zoom how do I like edit this thing you know so I think this um the dynamic of the old teacher new teacher is going to be so interesting because the young teachers are going to be so much more empowered with the technology that they need whereas the old teachers are like how do we get pedagogy across through this little square, you know, and, and a bunch of kids who are falling asleep with their microphones? Right. Now you need tech skills on, on top of everything. Absolutely. And actually, you know, I think I, well, we'll do it off this podcast, but we'll probably talk a little more about the Dan Tucker experience. I mean, yes, we could go try to find that somewhere else, but it may be that you just, you have it right there and it's maybe we frame it that way. And it's like your book ended by two teachers and they're, they're going at this and experiencing it. And maybe maybe that one is a first person. Maybe we do tell it that way. But 
obviously lots of other possibilities here too. Yeah. And I think working through the ideas of like, do we want them to tell it versus do we want us to tell it? Right. You know, I'm sure some of our listeners have been reading Eli Saslow's first person stuff in the midst of the coronavirus. And he launched on that idea really early to let, right. let people tell things in their own words. But he's done that all through interviews. And I also think there's a way we could do it through if we could record a Zoom, if we could get the people to right. show us their notes. Like, can I see those three different versions of your lesson plan? Because you've had to drop three right. different versions of how you're going to teach King Lear this year. Like, let's see how that looks. You know, and I right. think that could be, you know, um, original source documents could help tell the story yeah. in a way, too. We'll have to catch you all up on where we go with this topic and what we end up doing. But but um, hopefully we'll have a story we can dissect on the road. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, hopefully this is helpful. But you know this, um, it's good to pick a topic and brainstorm and just think it through and and do you know like we're suggesting. Think about the stakeholders and think about who's most accessible to you and who could be the most memorable story you do. And what frame do we tell it in? All right. If you have a question for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic, find us on our Facebook group or email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next Wednesday for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Austin Fast. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.